0: Hello and welcome to Bluebells Forever, a podcast with interviews of Bluebell dancers past and present. Join Sherry Lewis, a Bluebell herself, as she leads us on a journey through story and experience. And now here's Sherry. I get the honor of interviewing Amy Majetsky, who is in England right now but she is part of the cast of the Lido de Paris which are all now quarantined waiting for when they get to come back to the show but I would um, just like to introduce you and we can even start out with what um, your dance background and just your journey of becoming a dancer at the Lido de Paris so you can dive in any of those places you want to start
1: yeah, of course, thanks for having me today. Um, so I was born and raised in Germany with a British mother. She actually moved over to Germany at 18 because she's also a dancer. Uh, my dad is an opera singer, uh, that's where how they met. Um, so I started ballet training when I was four. My mother was actually my teacher uh, oh. f- until I was about 10 years old. Uh, some people asked me if that was, at all weird because of course that relationship changes from student to teacher and mother-daughter um but it never really was we somehow managed to, to really make it work and I was oddly respectful of her as my teacher and then the moment class was over it was she was back to being my mum again <laughs> um, and then I think I was about 10 years old when we decided that I, I really wanted to pursue this professionally um, and so I went to train at the John Kenkel Balletschule oh sorry I said that in German John McCker <laughs> ballet Academy which is in Stuttgart in Germany. Um, it's a very prestigious professional ballet school uh, I started off at boarding school which was really hard but I friendships for life but I was very homesick. Um, yeah it, it's yeah it's tough putting young kids into that environment but it was it was... I have very fond memories. Um, My mother and my sister actually moved to Stuttgart a few years later, so I I wasn't in boarding school anymore, but I was still training. Um, But at about 15 years old, I shot up. I was growing and growing and growing. Um, And bless me, at about 15, I must have nearly been six foot tall already. Um, I'm now six foot and something, 181. Um, and we were doing, we were starting on point with partnerings w- with uh, for pas de deux, with, with boys. And I remember just being, you know, so much taller than the guys. And it was just impossible. So, and because, because the John Cranker School is actually quite prestigious, they really only train people that they're trying to feed into the Stockport Ballet Company. So if you're not gonna work at the Stuttgart Ballet they kind of don't want to continue on with your training so there were people that were asked to leave for all sorts of trivial reasons one one friend of mine who now works in Rome um she was asked to leave the professional ballet school because her neck was allegedly too short but yeah she's now got a fantastic career so you know it's, oh. it's all good um, literally- and for me so, so yeah um for me um it was you know brought to my attention that I was too tall I kind of knew it anyway I was never asked to leave but I left anyway um, yeah and I decided to um, go more in the direction of musical theatre obviously I'd come from a very theatrical family my dad singing playing instruments tapping t- tap dancing all of that um, so I and I, I was set on moving to London. That was all that I wanted. So It was 100% London or nothing. Uh, I ended up going, moving to London and training at uh, the London Studio Centre um, for three years. And I worked a little bit in London. Then I was offered a contract um, for a show touring India. I worked in Dubai, Singapore, lots of different things. I, I moved back to Europe. Um, uh, I did quite a bit of TV work in, in Germany as well. Somehow, I think I was very hard on myself at the time because I remember feeling like I should be doing better. I should, I should have achieved more. And now looking back at it, I think I, I'm, you know, I cannot understand how I even got there because I was working consistently. I didn't have any breaks, but I think as dancers, you know, we are perfectionists and we have this image of what we want to achieve. And if it's not 100% that it's not good enough or mm. um, well, that's at least how how I felt um, and so ultimately I decided to do a master's degree and that was an accumulation of of reasons one of them obviously being that I wasn't an entirely satisfied with where my um, performing career was going the other thing was that I I was interested to see you know who who am I without dancing because that's all I'd ever done performing on stage, it was such a huge part of my life. And again, at that age, I think I was just questioning a lot of things and, and that that was something that I felt I needed an answer to. Again, now a few years later, I, I realized I'm not whole without dancing, I'm not complete. It's like losing a limb, but I, yeah. I needed to, you know, f- figure that out for myself first. And, and I think that the, the final reason was that all my, time um at school in academia I'd done well but I I'd never really pursued it I never really concentrated that much on it because I was always 100% invested in ballet and dancing and singing and all of those other things um and so I was always that student at school where where teachers said she's got all the potential she's smart but she's not working hard enough and I you know so that was that was me so i really wanted to um sort of almost prove to myself that i could do a masters degree so i i have this masters degree in art culture and luxury management and i ended up working i got an internship for nick knight who's a, an incredible fashion photographer i did i worked at art fairs and i was doing very well in this environment i think i you know, could have done it probably for the rest of my life if i wanted to but very early on i realized you know actually i'm really missing dancing i'm really missing on stage i had this niggling feeling that i kept trying to suppress you know telling myself like don't worry it's going to be fine da, 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 da. but um yeah it kind of kept bubbling up and of course at, so at this point i actually hadn't done a ballet class or a dance class properly for over a year and the longer i stayed away the more scared i was to go back um but of course, the longer I stayed away, I was also aware of the, that this window of my technique would get smaller and smaller until it slipped and I wouldn't be able even to do a double pirouette anymore. So I knew that I had to you know, get over myself, get over my huge ego and just bite the bullet and go back to class. Um, and I, I, was, I was you know, terrified, I, I have to admit, I really was. I was, I was terrified that I'd missed the opportunity to um to work professionally as a, as a performer again and i so i went to pineapple studios put on my ballet shoes and the first plié i remember the very first plié that i did at the bar i i knew i have to go back on stage i have to have that conversation with my family who support me f- for everything but it was it was more of an ego thing going back and forth I, you know, feeling a little bit flaky with my decisions, but I was, I've never been so certain than I was then that I needed to go back on stage. Um, and so literally within, I think two months, I'd tied up all the loose ends. I'd, um, I packed my bags, I moved to Berlin and I trained for three months solidly. Ballet every day, jazz every day, contemporary. I even did street dance, singing, stretching, yoga. It was, con- all time-consuming, every day, all day, seven days a week. Um, and it was amazing. I, I yeah. was so happy. I, was, I knew every day I didn't have any money. I wasn't working. I was just living off my savings. Um, but I knew it was the right decision. And, and within three months, um, jobs started coming in. I, um, the scene in Germany is quite small, so you make contacts quickly. And everyone seemed so helpful um, And I really think it's just the energy that I was putting out and I I just knew it was right as well because people kept coming up to me and saying, oh, actually, I know someone who might be able to help you. And then this led to this and this led to this. And I kept, you know, getting more and more jobs and shorter contracts and doing quite a bit of freelance stuff. Um, And then the 8th of June, 2017, I flew to Paris and I had my audition for the Lido Um, and it was... I think we were almost a hundred girls. So it was a a big audition. Yeah. And it was filmed as well. It was, it was one of these things that was filmed for some sort of a TV. I think I've seen, I feel like maybe, maybe it's on the Lido side. I think I
0: saw the process of that. Cause I think that's a good window into what that is when people like, what is an audition for the Lido going to be like?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I had no idea either. I didn't even know what to what to wear, um, you know. But everyone was in their, you know, slick fishnet tights. I was the only one in leggings. I had my hair down. Everyone had it in like tight, tight chignons. I had my hair down and in a half ponytail. I think it made me stand out. But at the same time, when <laughs> I arrived, there, I was like, oh god. But anyway, um, it was it was stressful, yeah. but it was fun. It was fun. We learned um, part of the choreography that's in the, in the show now. Um, and literally with, within 15 minutes, we <laughs> learned the, the first part of it, and we were put into groups of five. We all had our numbers, um, and yeah, went, went, through, went through the choreography. and then afterwards, after every round, we'd have to all line up in a half circle. Jane Sandsby was the, the ballet mistress. She was uh, there with her list with everyone's numbers. The whole thing was being filmed and then and everyone was all the girls in a bevel Obviously standing the whole way through waiting to hear who was cut So she'd go through the whole thing. Okay, number one, number four, Number five. So, if you were cut and you were number two, you had to stay in your bevel until you got through to number hundred before you could go. Oh, so, oh. That was so stressful. <laughs> so we went through. I don't know how many rounds. It was about three or four rounds, and I was I was in the last group of I think it was sort of nine or ten of us. Um, we all had uh, a little conversation with Jane and with uh, with Kate Denham and and Hervey and you know all of the the, the um, and I remember her saying to me, you know, oh, so hypothetically, if we were to offer you a contract. Uh, when would you be available? I said, I- I'm available tonight. <laughs> that, I, that was met with like a really awkward silence. And I just, you know, didn't know why I was being so desperate. But there you go. Um, but yeah, and then within a week, within a week, actually, and I was actually just coming out of another audition. I was, I'd just gotten into the final round for Mary Poppins and I got cut in the very last round and I left the building I was I think I cried a little bit because I was mainly because of adrenaline you know nothing I wasn't heartbroken or anything but it was a bit like oh check my emails and there was an email from Jane and uh, she'd offered me a contract to start two months later and that's since then I've been at the leader Well, so were you there at the start of the show or you came in uh, the show. Well. About two years later, so That's I've okay. only been there since August 2017. Okay,
0: yeah, the show is beautiful, which I got to see it at the reunion. But we'll get to the reunion in a little bit. So tell me, like, what like uh, rehearsing for the show? Because they, how many did they actually re- bring in with this new audition? Was it just you, or were there several? Or
1: uh, it was actually just me for the. For the start and one other girl ellie uh she she was offered a contract i think three months later so yeah with this one audition they only ended up filling two spots of course this was stuff that i didn't know when i was auditioning i i also didn't know that there were people who auditioned five six seven times to get a spot i i was taken yeah. out my first audition and i don't think it would have ever crossed my mind to audition again but You know there are people there who auditioned several times and are now, you know, replacement soloists and everything. So
0: stick with it. We'll
1: have to exactly stick with it and do it. That big call that you were—I mean—that's kind of a nice affirmation.
0: Like, yeah, you're on the right track. You are this good. Because if yeah, no,
1: it was it was really lovely and uh, and it just all went so quickly after I after I was offered the job, moved to Paris, found a studio uh, from another girl who. From Crazy Horse, actually, so like all of the showgirls in Paris all kind of stick together, and yeah, that's also very nice uh, and I started rehearsals straight away. I went straight into the bell line, so um not the blue bell line um, yeah, and I had two weeks of rehearsals, learning yeah roughly two weeks, maybe ten days, and um was put in put in the show two weeks later it was it was great I had to pretty much watch the show every evening and then go into rehearsals the next day just to kind of get a feel of the music, the changes, everything, and the environment that, you know. But it was, well, yeah. something like well,
0: I went in as a replacement years and years and years. I mean, that was Hello Hollywood and there's 150 in the cast, but you rehearsed, but you knew who to watch on stage because we did the same thing, rehearse the day and watch. So I go, okay, yeah. that's my person I'm watching. But it's not consistent, where you guys because don't you switch around a lot? So you're learning a track and then vary it up, or like when you're watching that show, no, you we knew-
1: learn we learn one track and then uh, like a month later we start you know swinging into different numbers, um, yeah. Okay. But for when I was first learning the show, I was just learning that one spot, and so I knew exactly who to watch. And okay. it's just the same girl every night, every night. <laughs> Well,
0: and that's what, talking to a few few people from the show, talking to Jane, how it keeps it interesting. Like, once you're in there, you're not going to get bored because you're going to be doing different, like, rotating. I think that's wonderful. I don't know if I've ever heard of any of the Bluebell shows that did that. But if for you guys to have that constant, like, you know, you can't just sit back and, you know, just show up. Like, Yeah, you know,
1: exactly. That is what it, makes it, because a lot of people, again, well, on who are on stage or non-dancers, you know, they... Do ask me, you know, doesn't it get boring doing the same show every night? And in theory, it should get boring doing the same show every night, but it it doesn't because, yes, of course, you're swinging spots. Um, I'm a replacement soloist now, so I get to do that, and I get to do my little solo part sometimes. And so, yeah, there's always something that changes it up, that, you know, throws you off your game a little bit, and you kind of have to, like, oh, okay, I'm doing this now, I'm doing that now so um yeah it doesn't get boring no <laughs> do you course, um, sorry
0: oh do you, so i've seen the show and i like the swan number is beautiful ballet technique are you taking class while you're in the show is that required or is that a choice or do you feel like i pretty have pretty much have my technique here to be able to do what i'm doing in the show
1: it's a choice it's a choice uh I do to take classes I try and go to ballet classes as regularly as possible I do yoga you know to, to do something that's really good for your body as well like um, to with flexibility and and to kind of calm you down a little bit as well with yoga so I like to do that um, every, most people have their own little regimes what they do not not everyone goes to class I personally would love it if we had a company class every day but people have you know kids and there are other stuff going on so um, everyone sort of has to sort out their own um, fitness and and technique regime so I I try and do classes but it's not necessarily required.
0: Yeah so I was thinking talking to people and I remember the shows just getting up and down the stairs and like you can get your cardio and your steps in just doing the show like you but to be your ballet technique and to make sure that you know, you're, you're going to be likely to have injuries, like the importance
1: of ballet, which I, I oh, definitely, uh, definitely, and even with the point, the the solo on point in the Swan number, I I do that one as well, um, and that is, I, I put my point shoes on for like the first time in years, because oh, <laughs> uh, really? obviously there was a time when I was on point every day, but you know, and and it and it takes so much strength to be on point, you kind of forget. So I actually. I did extra work on point to to just have that confidence and and the strength again in my in my ankles in my feet um so yeah for me yeah of course the show is really all the fitness you need you'll burn calories you'll have your cardio up um you've got your flexibility with all your kicks and everything but I think it's important to 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 constantly work on your trade you know as, as performers we should be working on it all the time
0: and you are not the tallest one now and how was this the first time you've had a male dancer tall enough to partner you
1: oh yeah it was oh, yeah really exciting actually it was weird it, the, when i got there and i saw everyone the same height as me and being able to speak to people and look in their eyes you know yeah. it was like baby giraffe who'd like found her pack finally <laughs> i love that <laughs> And you know what I mean, you know, when you sit, yeah. even with the reunion as well, which we'll talk about later, but just seeing, you know, like 300 of y- all of you and you're all so tall and so glamorous, like, yes, this is, this is it. We're all in yeah. this together. And you know?
0: I think like for female dancers, when you're tall, you know, you're usually in the center of the picture in the back, <laughs> but if they're, and I feel like there's never enough boys in class to partner with. And if there are, if you're tall, you do feel like a giraffe. It's hard to feel glamorous And if you put, like you said, on point, and you're a few feet above it's hard. it's hard to feel elegant when you feel – I love the baby giraffe image. But (laughs) being in a show with tall men and getting to do lifts, I had never done lifts before. And I just wanted to cry. So I'm like, can we work on it again? I had a partner that loved to teach how to do it, which – shorter guys, they can't really help you with that. Nothing against shorter guys. Somebody who – and we would practice in between shows because I was jubilant that I finally got to partner um yeah 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 get to do it on point and do it in the show yeah i feel like it's a tall girl's dream to not and that
1: whole with... tall girl thing is that when that you have to be the partner more often oh, than not we have to be the boys, boy don't we <laughs> yeah so yeah to go i've always
0: done the bar i actually knew how to lead i didn't know how to follow because yeah I exactly oh my
1: so, gosh so yeah i know, know what you mean it makes you feel sort of more feminine and you know a guy just lifting you up and saying oh you don't weigh anything like, oh my god no one's ever said that before (laughs) yeah I think that that was yeah finding boys that are
0: that tall is is hard too Uh, and that's the thing like in some worlds like people like oh I can never be a bluebell. I'm not tall enough so it kind of takes away those people can't change how tall they are and then you know for tall dancers to have this place where you actually are celebrated for your height it's like oh there's a place for you because I feel like the message is you're too tall you're too tall you're too tall
1: yeah for a lot of things yeah even in musical theater even the jobs that people said I would be very suitable for, you know, like, fossy musical type things, and then I watch them, and, and the, the female dancers are all so short, and I'm there like, I'm six foot tall, I want to do fossy <laughs> but yeah so do you have any
0: um i'm not trying to just pull out a story but i know like doing that kind of show night after night things go wrong or costume disasters have you had anything happen like with your costume or on stage that it's like there's this glamorous thing the audience sees and then there's things that happen that only the dancers see or maybe everybody sees
1: i mean uh the, oh my god there are so many things there are so- so many things that go wrong pretty much every night there's something you know that that goes wrong i think my thing is that i'm always the last one in her costume oh really? I, every, yeah they have they call on plus um five minutes before the show every time it's five minute call i always say already what <laughs> And am sort of still mid-warm-up and sort of Sometimes I haven't got done my hair right. I don't, and then I suddenly can't find my bijus. So I'm literally like racing up the stairs with my boots <laughs> out, <laughs> with my, in my heels, bijous in one hand, plumes in another hand. Just like, oh my god, I'm not gonna make it! I always make it. I've never been late on stage once. But every night, it's always until the very last second. And then I come out, and I'm like. None of you would have known, that it was such <laughs> a stress to get here right now. Yeah. But yeah, um, but we've had loads of funny things. We've been up on the, the fountain. You, you remember that from yep. the show? Yep. So, so this fountain yep. comes out um, and there's supposed to be a waterfall and water everything. One night the water didn't work and it was completely silent and it was just us doing this then suddenly quite random choreography it works right. with the water but minus the water it's really weird i just was laughing I, I i mean i was just like sort of silently like oh my god this is so <laughs> awful um an audience, audience has no idea that's the thing is like
0: when it's i audience. think the
1: audience didn't re- yeah yeah they didn't get it maybe they were sort of like well that was not great great. although probably most of the time they they don't even notice but for us it's like it's so you know magnified you have the feeling like oh my god everyone just saw even if you do like a tiny mistake you you go off stage and you're like oh my god i'm i just totally messed up the show like no one ever noticed right yeah but there's not one night where something doesn't something little doesn't happen i mean most of this time i'm just laughing backstage the whole time like I have we have such an amazing cast we're so so tight-knit as a group and it's it's so lovely and so it's just a joy to perform on stage and yeah the story you told about
0: not being ready when I talk to bluebell dancers my age some of them have talked about the dreams they have like a lot of times like you can't find that one costume piece for me it's always above or you store if you have the same thing in your dressing room like your head are kind of above and it's usually I'm reaching and it's not the right one or I put it the, but I know I'm supposed to be on stage and there's a lot of us that will say you're you're supposed to be on and you don't remember the choreography but I have a yeah, yeah, yeah. those dreams when you're my age you're still gonna be like oh, but I can't I'm supposed to be on stage and I'm not ready there's something of the that life that brings into our regular- I think
1: I think it is because I hear that from people all the time on off stage that have that that reoccurring dream that you're like you're on stage now, you're doing this solo. I've never learned the solo. <laughs> and you, know, you have to do
0: it now. Yeah. My um, dream analysis, which is based on nothing, is I think it's <laughs> when we feel like we have no control, we're not ready, or we're exposed, or like, I don't know what's going on. It's just like we go right back into that, like, feeling. Like, yes. you're on stage, you're, you're probably right. Don't know what the hell you're doing. But yeah, I feel like dreams that will stay for a while, but... You get on stage because that's also like you do it even though it's hard you show up and exactly. you exactly
1: you do it, it and sometimes i've done shows where i'm i really think like i don't know how i did that but i did it and yeah well
0: i think that's like it can't be boring doing the same show right? because there is something that you have to adapt to i mean people tell stories of animal poop on stage when you work with animals or like that didn't go in the right place where costumes fall off, and you have to think fast which works in real life as well too, that pe- the dancers are so adaptable, even exactly. with quarantine, to find out what dancers are doing, you know, when
1: they can't do it on stage, people are getting very creative. Exactly. And that's the that are so forceful, I- I- I've noticed that as well, just through quarantine, it just, you know, molds people into very strong and resourceful people. Um, yeah. Totally, it, it doesn't get boring, and it's also not just you. You're although I, I sometimes I say Lido runs like a well-oiled ship because or machine because uh, you can do your track and you can sort of barely see other people. Like there's one person swinging this part, and there's you're doing this part, and everyone sort of it just works perfectly every night, minus the mistakes that the audience can't see. Right.
0: Um,
1: but at the same time you're still relying on the, these other people and the interactions that you have and someone might have a, a an off day one day and so you have to adapt to that or again with the partnering stuff with the with the swan duet that i sometimes do you go out on stage you never know who's, who your partner is going to be so wow. you have one or two guys that you like love doing it with and the other guys that maybe you're a bit more shaky with and you don't know until you're doing the split ponche and the guy comes out who it's oh going to be. So wow. yeah. Which is my yeah.
0: sense reading, reading people's energy to be aware and it yeah you can't be you can't be bored when that I didn't know that that could be
1: like in yeah. the moment hello. Exactly wow. you're literally on point you're doing a little bit and in the corner of your eye you can see oh it's him okay right so I'll, I'll do my weight this way or I won't go like as strong on this part or yeah
0: wow that's great I mean that's going to make you adaptable for everything do you see yourself being at the Lido because there, there's not I mean for dancers the options feels like they're getting a little slimmer to be a performer and get paid and to have a job that you know you're doing what you do like some people stay for a long time or some use it as kind of a launching pad for other things like not to give too much of your future to people that employ you <laughs> but do you see this being like I want to do this and now I want to do this like no I this is where I feel like I'm in my best place as a dancer
1: um you know what I unfortunately can't give you a proper answer to that because that is something that I I debate a lot myself because on the one hand I've obviously found this niche that has accepted me and allowed me to thrive and allowed me to grow um and like I said with you know. the baby giraffe, and yeah. you know, it's like, oh, I fi- finally found my people. I finally found my my niche where where I'm appreciated for for having ballet technique, but being super tall, and all of these different things, you know, that were that have had me, you know, rejected for so many other things. Um, so on the one hand, there's that, and then on the other side, there's you know a part of me that might want to experience other shows. Uh, for me for the moment I know that I want to be performing and on stage or performing in some kind of a capacity for as long as possible I'm still not ready to I'm, I've still not reached that point yet where I can say you know what actually I've done it and I can move on to the next chapter um, so whether that's performing at Lido you know at the moment I just hope that we can get back on stage as quickly as possible and so I'm, I'm very uh-huh. hopeful that I can Go back to Lido as soon as possible, and of course, I'm I'm not leaving anytime soon. But I I'm not entirely sure if that's why where I intend to stay until the end of my dancing career, or if I will try and transition maybe more into acting or musical theatre or something like that. I I you know I like to have my options open, as you can hear from my yeah. from my past. <laughs> I might do another master's degree. Who knows?
0: Yeah, well, and I think even when we were talking earlier, how you kind of fell into musical theater and all that because your family did that. And then you had to go, am I doing this because it kind of feels like the way it should go or because I choose it? And then you know, going to do your master's and then going now, I think sometimes you have to go away from it to realize how important it is. And even exactly. if you're in quarantine right now, like if you're really missing being on stage, it's like, oh, this really is where my heart is. Where some people are like, yeah, like, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's I agree.
0: Like the arts are probably the most unreliable right now to know like when we can have audiences. So I think, you know, people could abandon ship and Sam's going to go do something else. But people are like, no, we're going to wait this out because like I said, somebody, the arts always survive. They survive war and everything else. And we don't know if our actual venues will survive, but we, you know, the arts always come back, but it's painful can- waiting because people need the arts to get through this Madness that we're in
1: and what would everyone be doing right now? Exactly. If, if we didn't have a Netflix if we didn't have a classical music our, our music as Spotify Movies to watch at night as zoom classes
0: yeah, yeah and it, people it's like it, Even even if people are like being careful with money like I still have to take care of my body and my soul That's like yeah. even the classes that we go where it's not just to keep our bodies fit It's like we need this for our our heart and our soul and our mind and I think when it kind of goes away it's like all the things that you've you know, kind of left and come back to you come back to it with an appreciation of yeah the this, this wonderful gift that we get to do this yeah you'll hear from a lot of us that are older that um yeah like we just we even realize it more of what we had than maybe we were able to in it and so that's where I think with this podcast of of the connection we have now with with the reunions and all that to so kind of find each other that we're so happy that you're still going because you're keeping this legacy going. And then yeah. you know, to know that um, we, we are not envious, but we're just like, Oh my gosh, they're getting to do that. And we don't get to do it now, but we're so happy someone else gets to experience that. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, or the, cool. One of the pictures I want to post with this is the one with you and Lee walking down the Champs Elysees with her in that gorgeous blue dress and you
1: with the, that, is that the finale, the blue, Blue it's the bluebell, the bluebell outfit, the, the, the blue plumes and the little diamant outfit.
0: Those are gorgeous.
1: They're uh, lovely, aren't they? Yeah. Uh,
0: and, that, and that picture is just so, uh, one, it just wraps up so much in that picture that here you can tell it's on the street where the Lido is and they have all these bluebells old and old, not old, fast. So what was the reunion like for you? And I'm curious of how much history you actually knew because- you know, talking to some of the younger ones, some actually really knew a lot of, of Bluebells' history and the Lido's history and some it's kind of been, well, I know it's there, but like, how much did you even know about the Lido and Bluebells when you auditioned?
1: Well, I knew quite a bit about the Lido already. I actually have a picture of me and I actually wanted to bring it to show it to you Stan. and it's probably somewhere in the living room, but I, yeah. Um, and it's of me when I'm 11 years old outside of the Lido um, in a bevel. In an oh. comment. it's not much of a Bevel, um, taking a picture because uh, even back then I might have been a, a, a few years older because I remember even at professional ballet school one of the teachers teacher said oh you'd be perfect for Lido because you're not going to be a ballet dancer <laughs> um, uh, so, and so I have that picture outside Lido so I knew about Miss Bluebell I didn't know about I didn 't know about all of the shows in in Vegas in all of these different countries that were so big um, and of course I didn't know much about you know the history of miss bluebell um, and I actually heard in in one of the podcasts that you did uh, there's a six part documentary about her and i I, I really want to find it now and, and actually like learn more about it but obviously, I knew some of this some of the history i knew that i was part of something bigger than paris merveille, the show that's on right now i knew that i was part of something very special and something very very unique um but i think that um the reunion in september last year was it was just tangible how special it was and to me all of you guys was it was so fantastic honestly i it was yeah it was amazing it was really truly amazing um there was there was a a mix of emotions first of all like i said uh with meeting all of you guys feeling like the magic of Lido, knowing that you're part of this incredible legacy that we're part of history you guys us um and then of course just the honor of, of representing the new generation of Lido. performing for you guys that night was hands down one of my favorite performances at Lido but also potentially in my whole career oh. it was no it, honestly it was so amazing because we there was that nervous but excited energy backstage and on stage um and I remember the music starts da, 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 and the first bluebells go up and we just heard all of you just scream <laughs> and you were wow wow and and that the mo- at that moment any kind of anxiety just went out the window because there was a small part of me that thought maybe there would be people who would be critical of the show and say oh it was better in my day you know maybe there were but you know we didn't feel that at all we just felt like everyone was supporting us so much and and then of course it made so much sense because we're all you know once a bluebell always a bluebell as yeah. they say so yeah. it just felt like we were all we were doing this for you guys, but you you were there for us as well. And it was just like this, very much like a two-way street. Um, It was wonderful.
0: And the photo on the stage with you guys in the flower costume, it was really fun because they kind of mixed us up, So it wasn't just old and new. We were all jammed on those stairs photo. And I'm looking at people with the flowers right next to their face, trying, you know, and you're in your heels. But it felt like it wasn't like, okay, they have to do their photo op, they're doing this as their job. It definitely felt like a celebration. And then have a dance party where some of the bluebells came out and were dancing with us. There was something just, the intermixing was really fun instead of us seeing a show. I just think the whole way that Lindsay, I will keep giving her credit of how- Yeah, how she, she
1: did it. She uh, obviously did such an amazing job. But then at the same time, I think it's also the people who- ended up working for Miss Bluebell or at the Lido and everything, it you know, everyone was just so open and so lovely. So, you know, there was never any question of it being awkward or us not, you know, wanting to all spend time together. Um and for me it was so precious because I would have fully understood if you all wanted to kind of talk to each other because you'd worked together and you know maybe hadn't seen each other for years. But it didn't feel like that at all so many people were really happy to talk to me and I I really wanted to hear everyone's stories you know and and I think that was another thing that was so special about that night was first of all all of you looked so fantastic and glamorous and gorgeous and and I think as dancers we have you know we we're very aware of our shelf life you, you know yeah we know that this isn 't going to last forever, and as much as I try to enjoy it in the moment and I do I enjoy every performance um there's always that little niggling in my head that says you know you can't you 're not going to be able to do this forever, so what are you going to do afterwards? Uh, you know the next blueberry reunion I might be on your side, who knows on this yeah. a thought that literally just crossed my mind um. So of course you and I'd like to keep my options open, so you know you have that thought, what am I going to do and then, after meeting all of you and hearing hearing so many different stories of you know people who'd completely changed careers, people who'd started their own business, opened their studios, done yoga instructed Pilates, traveled the world, um, you know how reassuring you know and, and again unsurprising because. I think as dancers and especially, you know, at Lido involved in that Bluebell world, um, we do become, you know, very strong and independent. We can deal with rejection. Yes. We can fall down <laughs> and get back up again with plumes or without plumes. I mean, on stage, <laughs> on stage, we can do it. Yep, and so I
0: think it,
1: it makes makes for very strong people who, who will be able to thrive Uh, after after being on stage that is such a
0: a great point because i talked to someone he'll be the interview before you who was in the lead up until a few years ago and how hard that ending was because you kind of think you can keep doing it forever but a lot of people don't talk about that transition because i think some people like i didn't know i had an injury so i had to stop but i didn't want to so i think the honesty like that that transition can be really hard and it's also been really good to hear the stories of what people have been doing afterwards too because when you're in it you don't really know what people are doing after it you're in that world and then you're kind of launched out into like okay now you have to be a real a regular person yeah, <laughs> Which you have to be
1: a normal person i know and how do you even begin i mean i i did did it for one year where i tried to you know not be a dancer and kind of identify as as a normal person or whatever that means and it was like i you know had lost Half of my personality, um, yeah. but I think when you have a when you get to a certain age and you've had a fulfilled career and you move on and and if you don't cut away that part, so maybe you're not performing on stage anymore, but you can still teach classes or you can still go to classes and do it for yourself. You know, there's nothing stopping you from from doing it. I mean bless my mum who who was a dancer but she still goes to pineapple studios now and she- uh, yeah and she does classes and well actually in quarantine we've been doing classes together in the living room just put on oh, some that- classical music doing our pliés doing our tendus yeah oh. so she's still doing it now so she's not performing but she you know and yeah it's like once a bluebell always a dance a bluebell also once a dancer always a dancer yeah like, exactly yeah.
0: And the emails, when people go to the website, they come to me. And so many of them are like, I used to dance, but I stopped and I'm really scared to come back in. And so I get to field those, those emails. And I'm like, you're going to be in a really good company because there are a lot of our dancers, because we're an adult open level, we've got a lot of people that go professional, but we've got beginners, we've got dancers that had children and put dance on pause. And it's really wonderful because I know how much it takes to come in to do your first class after you've been away. And if you've been away for a long time, like, I always say you have to stop doing the, I used to be able to, I used to be able to get my legs here. I used to be able to do this. You just have to like be in it. And I think some of the most beautiful dancers when they do join us on stage for things are the ones that are a little bit older that have embodied their talent and they don't have to kick us high. They just have this um, maturity that you, you only get by doing it for a while.
1: Yeah. They don't have anything to prove anymore because they've done it. Yeah, exactly.
0: when you're in it, because I remember being professional and then coming to take class, and I felt the expectation was, oh, you're a professional, then you should be able to do that, so I feel like there's a pressure when you're yeah. still, dead, that you have to, like, prove to everyone that you're worthy to be paid to be a dancer, and then when you don't have that, there, like you said, you, you can come back to it, and there's nothing to prove, but, I mean, I know our egos suffer a lot because of rejection, and, like, you have the job now, it doesn't mean you don't have it, but the, adapt- the yeah. adaptability and the, that you're always taking care of yourself. I just, I bring this up a lot, but not just physically, but emotionally, mentally, to be able to sustain that career. Because you can also be a door, like you're like a, a celebrity, you know, and then like, what do you do with that with, with your ego to go, I'm really good and I still need to work, because that's a, a hard balance for, i yeah. not a, So that's I have to go dope. back to the reunion for one question. Um, I saw a picture of you guys with Johnny Depp on stage. I don't know if you get celebrities very often, but were we still more fun than Johnny Depp in the audience?
1: <laughs> well, you were, you were by far more fun than Johnny Depp in the audience. But funny story about Johnny Depp. I was the one who spotted him on stage. Really? He, he was, yeah, he was in the VIP section. Uh, and funnily enough, one of, the, one of the girls, she'd been to the opera the day before, or maybe even that day, to, um, she's American, Hillary, and she had kind of told us, no, we'd seen a picture on, I'd seen a picture on Facebook, she'd gone to the opera, she'd seen Johnny Depp, they shared one of these little booths together, and her being her, you don't know her, but she's very easy to talk to, she'll just speak to anyone, she was like, oh, you should totally come and see see our show one time. I, I work at the Lido, and of course, he has a, a connection to to France and to Paris as well. With his, you know, ex wife or whatever. Um, <laughs> and so lo <line> and <laughs> behold, we're doing the show. I think it was the second show that night. Um, we're doing the number Boys, which is where the girls wear these suits and the, and, the, and oh. the the wigs.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Love. I was at the front of the stage, and we were doing one of these like moves. And I see him in the VIP section. I'm like, oh my God, it's Johnny Depp. It's Johnny Depp. <laughs> and we're running back doing all this like, like fossy arms things. And I remember like mouthing to him, of the guys, Johnny Depp's in the audience. Johnny Depp's in the audience. No one believed me. Literally no one believed me. Everyone was like, no, he's not in the audience. So we, No one's seen him. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we all go downstairs. I was like, I swear it's Johnny Depp. But they were telling me it's not Johnny Depp. So I, I kind of just like, thought maybe i was going insane the next number is the fountain number so all of us like get into our costumes the fountain number which again it looks so glamorous for the audience and fun fact it's potentially the least glamorous number in the show because we're all just standing in this like wet fountain for about 10 minutes waiting to go up in these like weird (laughs) bodysuits oh no
0: oh wow yeah the (laughs) loading.
1: exactly so and that's and that's usually our spot where we you know Chat and you know t- talk about what's going on in the show or whatever else, and so I was like, I'm, I'm sure it's Johnny Depp. Anyway, <laughs> we all go up, and next thing is the girl who was in the front center is like, uh, and there's one moment where we all turn to like face each other, and she's like, it's him. <laughs> and so we're like, oh my god, it's Johnny Depp. Anyway, that's the end of the story. That's how oh, I. That's it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I saw the picture with everybody in the flower costume with him and I thought the picture was from our reunion because it looks similar. I'm like, no, Johnny Depp was not at our reunion. So, <laughs> does that happen very you know, often? No, he was a bluebell as well once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Came back for that. Um, so we're uh, wrapping up and I just have yeah. a question as when you're thinking about going back what is it like even if you just think of that feeling that you look the, look forward to like is there anything that you go oh man i can hardly wait to to be back because of this
1: multiple things just i'm excited to just have my costume on hearing that start music that's that the beginning music of the show just totally gets me every time i can be in a bad mood and then i hear that little drum thing and i'm ready to go i always have this weird like song that i sing before the show i mean you know we're all a bit crazy, aren't we? Um, <laughs> and uh, and I, you know, do a little weird warm up dance, and then I go up the stairs, um, and I just can't wait for that because I know that that will be, you know, that moment where you get back in the on stage, back in the spotlight, and yeah, and of course, you know, seeing everyone that that, but yeah. oh. specifically to be on stage, that that is that's going to be amazing.
0: Well, I've been making friends with you all over Zoom in our own homes in quarantine, but when it's open, my plan is to come to see the show again, because I have to go back to Paris, because the last time was wonderful, but I, my first thing I'm gonna do is go see the Lido, probably more than once. But I've already told Jeremy I want to take them out for a cappuccino and a macaroon. The little, there's a little that's famous for their macarons pretty close to the Lido that I would just sit and have it and watch people go by. So if you're willing, I would love to, uh, to go, like just, because I'm like so excited to meet a person, see you in the show, and. Be able to follow you on stage, actually like recognizing your face. Yeah, so,
1: absolutely. That sounds amazing.
0: So, if that when the show is up and going, and I've heard there's a, a possibility of a reunion, probably depending on all this, because Alito is going to be 75 next year. Oh, so if, right. For, that's a good excuse for me to come out. And then maybe we just like interview everybody all together and do a group one. So, um, these stories really have been. Uh, I think really good for the older ones to hear this, and also the younger ones to know, like they have a place in this, and that it's connecting everybody. So that if there is, you know, another reunion or people come, they have to like, I don't know. We, I think our legacy is like putting these pieces together and. and no,
1: it's together. such a wonderful. Yeah. Idea. You're doing such a great job with this. It's it's and it's it makes for such an interesting podcast, and uh, yeah, very very cool.
0: I was gonna do professional dancers in general, and I'm like, no, I really, I think bluebells because just just bluebells have so many stories because there's so many years of it travel so it definitely is never going to get boring because everybody has a different a different part of history so Uh, I hope you stay well and happy and keep dancing and then when that when I know you guys are going to open you know let me know I will be celebrating with you just picturing like what that night's going to be like when you get to find
1: amazing it was so lovely to talk to you today I was thank you so much Amy and I will see you in Paris